Mark chapter 9 is where we're going to find our passage tonight that I feel like God has laid out for us to sit at his table and dine from. So if you would make your way there with your copy of God's Word. And as you're making your way there, just allow me for a few moments to set the context of this passage for you as we begin tonight. Jesus has just previously taken Peter, James, and John up on a mountaintop where they had the privilege of seeing Jesus transfigure. And in case you're not comfortable with that word or in case you're not fully understanding of what that word transfigure is, Peter, James, and John, in other words, had the privilege of seeing Jesus go from his human state back over into his fully perfect, divine, godly state. So they've been up on the mountain and they've witnessed Jesus transfigure before their eyes and as they've gone up there, remember that it's just three of them, so keep in mind that the rest of the disciples were left at the bottom of the mountain waiting for them to come back down. And as Jesus is coming down from the mountain, he sees his disciples involved in a dispute with a crowd of people. And that's where we pick up the story tonight in Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. The text says this, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. My title for tonight's message is Faith Flow. While Jesus was up on the mountain, this man had brought his demon-possessed son to hopefully experience healing at the hands of Jesus. And when he discovered that Jesus wasn't there, but he saw his disciples, he decided to ask them for help, which was fine. They were, after all, supposed to be representatives of Christ, right? And if you were to flip back a couple of chapters in Mark chapter 6, Jesus had actually given the disciples authority to cast out demons and to anoint people with oil and heal them of their sickness. But when this man came and he brought his demon-possessed son and he placed him before the disciples, they ultimately failed to be able to cast out the demon from his body. And so at this point, we can probably assume that the father of this child has become bitterly disappointed and probably very, very discouraged at the same time, and I want to make this point right here that's kind of just separate from everything else we're going to talk about tonight, but I want to say be careful about placing God-sized expectations upon people. This man's original plan was to take his son to Jesus, but when he found only his disciples, what he actually did was he transferred all the expectations and the hopes that he had placed in Jesus onto the disciples. And it's a very, very dangerous thing to take the expectations and the hopes that can only be met in Christ and place them onto man. Because very often what will happen is you will experience something similar to what this man experienced, disappointment and discouragement. And there are things in our life that ultimately can only be healed and restored by the Savior Himself. So I feel like there are some of you here tonight that need to stop placing God-sized expectations on people 
because it's only going to lead to more discouragement and disappointment in your life and whatever pain, whatever problem that you have going on, some things you just need to simply go to Jesus with. Back to the story. I wonder why the disciples failed to cast out this demon from this boy. I mean, they had obviously had previous success. If you go back in Mark chapter 6, go back and look at it sometime, Jesus had given them authority to do this very thing, and they had actually done it. They had actually performed these kind of miracles leading up to this point, so why all of a sudden were they unable to cast out this demon from this child? This is where I think the concept of the faith flow comes in. In our relationship to God, there's a flow of faith that comes out of us and into Him at all times. It's constantly flowing out of you and into Him. Faith doesn't flow from God to us. Faith flows from us to God. And that flow at all times is either doing one of two things. It's either being diminished or it's being cultivated. And so that's the first thing that I want us to look at tonight. I want us to look at a diminished faith flow. And that's what we see with the disciples. The disciples' faith flow at this point should have been very strong. They had been given authority to cast out demons and to heal sick. And they had even exercised that authority and been successful in it. But something had happened that was obviously in connection with their faith. And Matthew actually offers a little extra details to this account. He writes about the same thing, just from a different point of view. And it all works in conjunction to give us the big picture. So in Matthew chapter 17, in verses 19 and 20, Matthew gives us a little snapshot of detail that we don't find here in the book of Mark. And they actually asked Jesus, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the demons? And Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 17 that it was because of their little faith. He said to him, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. So they asked Jesus, why can we cast out this demon, Jesus? Because you made it look so easy. And he tells them, because of your little faith. But we know that the disciples weren't devoid of faith, right? The disciples, we would say, obviously had faith. They had faith to take up everything that they had and follow him when Jesus called them to a life of discipleship. So the disciples had faith. So what did Jesus mean when he said you have little faith? What did he mean? By that, when it comes to faith in our lives, the issue isn't about size, it's about presence. Because Jesus had also went on to tell them that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there and it shall be done. Faith is not about size. A very small amount of faith can yield great and miraculous results. So the issue with faith in our life is not about its size, but more so about its presence. So when Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them that you have little faith, in other words, what he was saying to them when he looked right at them, he says, I see a very, 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 very small presence of faith in your lives right now. What an indicting thing for Jesus to say to his disciples Something has happened to your flow. It's been diminished drastically. One of the greatest joys in my life is being a homeowner. One of the greatest burdens of my life is being a homeowner. And we have this issue 
that seems to be recurring at our house every now and then, and that is that the washing machine drain wants to get clogged and backed up, and you don't ever really know when that's going to happen until you wash a load of clothes and you walk into the laundry room, which in this old house that we have for some reason has carpet in it. What in this world? You never really know that that drain's backed up until you wash a load of clothes and you take that first step in there and it goes... Fun stuff. This has happened twice, actually, since we've been in this house. And the last time it happened, I had to go down to the basement, pull out a section of the pipe, run the old pipe snake through there, pull out all the nastiest junk you could ever imagine, along with the worst stench that you can probably ever imagine. I didn't know hairballs like that existed on the face of this planet, but it was unreal. Over time, periodically, things get stuck in that drain, and it could be the smallest of things. It could be something as small as just a tiny little pebble, but if it doesn't get flushed all the way through, then what that becomes is a snag, and everything else that is flushed down that drain gets stuck on that little piece of pebble or whatever it may be. And over time, the more stuff that is flushed through that drain, the more stuff gets clogged until eventually the drain becomes completely clogged. And what happens is, is when the washer drains and it goes down, it eventually is going to back up and it is going to overflow all into our nice laundry room where it's nice and sopping wet. Now, if you were to drain the washer and stand there and listen for it to back up, you can stop it and you can hear it eventually. It'll gloop, 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 and it'll get through but it takes a lot of effort for it to work through. And the flow isn't nearly as good going out. I think this is how it looks when our faith flow has been diminished. Something over time has clogged up the flow of your faith from you into an almighty God. And it could be anything. It could be something as small as a simple failure. It could be... a Drug or alcohol or pornography addiction. It could be busyness. It could be pride. It could be arrogance. It could be materials or money. It could be health or lack of. It could be losing someone special to you. It could be a relationship. It could be stress or worry or any number of distractions. All it takes is one little thing getting stuck in the drain. And sooner or later, over time, as the flow continues, one thing after another gets built up and built up and built up until sooner or later your flow is almost completely cut off to where it's no longer getting through, it's backing up. And nothing good ever comes from a backup in a flow. It only leads to mess. It only leads to damage. It only leads to destruction. What about the disciples? What was it that caused their faith flow to be diminished? Was it any of the number of things that we just read off? I don't necessarily think that it was. I think that what diminished their faith is so often what diminishes ours. And it could be any of the one things that I just read, but I think the primary clogger of our faith flow is one simple word, distance. Distance. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that, Trey? That sounds awesome, distance, what? 
Remember where Jesus just was? He was on top of a mountain. And he only had Peter, James, and John with him. Jesus doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would just intentionally exclude the rest of the disciples from experiencing such a great moment of his glory. I think there was a reason that Jesus didn't take them up on the mountain with him. I think there was a reason why he left them behind and he took Peter, James, and John up to the top with him. Because they see, I see our flesh in this situation. Mark chapter 6 comes and Jesus says, I give you the authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And they say, yes, let's go. And they get out there and lo and behold, they have the authority and they exercise it and they're casting out demons and they're healing sick people and thus is the nature of man. When we start doing things for the glory of God, sooner or later we want to make it about the glory of me. And I think that's exactly what happened in the lives of these disciples. There's a reason why Peter, James, and John got to go. They stayed close with Jesus. They stayed humble in their service. But I think these guys got a little bit full of themselves. And Jesus left them at the bottom of the mountain while he went up to the top as a teachable moment to say, can't you see this is the distance that I feel between us right now? I'm up here, but you guys have decided to stay down here. You've distanced yourself from me. We're not as close as we used to be anymore. I think there was a reason. Go back to the text in, in chapter 9 and look down at the very end of it. Verse 28, the disciples ask again here in Mark, and Jesus gives them an answer of why they can't cast it out. His answer is a little bit more detailed than what we get in Matthew. And he says this, and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. I think there was a reason he told them prayer was the answer they were seeking as to why they had failed. You know why? Because a lack of prayer points to a lack of presence. Not God's presence, but our presence in the relationship. You can't tell me that the times when you felt more distance from God, yet your prayer life was non-existent. Jesus says a lack of prayer. This kind only comes out by prayer. And if you guys had been praying, you would have been successful, but you've gone distance from me. And the last time that I checked, prayer was the means that God gave us by which we communicate with Him. And when you don't communicate with somebody, guess what? You can't help but grow apart. You can't help but be distanced from that person. Our washer drain. Oddly enough happens to be the longest drain in our house. Significantly longer than all the other drains that come out of our house. And coincidentally, it seems to be the only one that ever gets clogged. But can I just tell you that God has taught me something in the simplest of ways in that? And it's simply this. The greater the distance of flow the greater the opportunity for obstruction. So when Jesus showed them that a lack of prayer was why they failed, he wasn't reprimanding them. They asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? And he said, because you're a bunch of idiots, because you're losers, because you're morons. He said, no, you lack prayer. You lack community. You lack closeness. So when he says this kind only comes out by prayer, he's calling them back to closeness. He's calling them back to community with him. Listen to me. Mm. You keep the connection short, 
and it'll keep the flow strong. But the longer the distance is between your point of flow and into God, the greater the opportunity for an obstruction to set up. But if you keep that connection close to the source of where it's going to, it intensifies that flow. Jesus says, you're too far away. You're too far away from me. Your distance has led to a diminishing of your faith. There are some people in this place tonight that are very, very, very distant from where they should be. You should be on top of the mountain. You should be in the place where you're getting to experience the glory of God in its fullness. But for whatever reason, there's distance. And that little clog that you've got in your faith flow is making it that much more difficult for you to experience the fullness of God's power in your life. And it can change just that quick. Two chapters ago, these guys were casting out demons everywhere. Now they can't get one out of a kid. A diminished faith flow. Keep the connection short, and it'll keep the flow strong. But then there's another type of flow. The flow that we're going to work towards tonight. There's the cultivated faith flow. Look at verse 20, chapter 9. The story continues. We need to get the rest of it. It says, and they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Thus is the nature of the enemy when he runs into the presence of God. He doesn't want to stay in that place. And he knows ultimately that Jesus is going to cast him out of it. But here's the thing with our enemy. He's not going to give up the ground that he has gained without putting up a fight to keep it. So he throws the kid down. Begins to convulse. In verse 21, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him because, once again, that's who our enemy is. He's a roaring lion seeking someone that he can devour. He comes to only steal, kill, and to destroy. That's in his name. And then the man says this to Jesus, but if you can do anything, oh, what a heartbreaking statement. And you know what I think prompted this statement from this man? Simply a missed opportunity by his disciples. If they would have been walking with Christ like they should have been, the opportunity would have been theirs to bring God the glory. They would have cast the demon out. But because of their lives, but because of their distance in the relationship, and they were unable to, it cast doubt into this man's heart. How many of us are living lives that are so distanced from Jesus Christ that it casts doubt on the hearts of others of whether or not he's actually real? But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, not a question, but an exclamation. In other words, if you can, put your faith in me. All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. 
That's, this is cultivated faith right here. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse that most of them said he is dead. Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. To cultivate is to develop and form what is already there. It's creating an environment that provides access to the resources that foster the growth of what has already been planted. This father just admitted that he had faith. I believe. But he also admitted that the faith that he had was shallow. Help my unbelief. This is how faith gets cultivated. It's realizing that Christ has already planted in me what I need to grow. But understanding that I also need him to help grow it even more. Remember, it's not about its size. It's about its presence. Presence is what matters. This father says, I have faith. I just needed to have a greater presence in my life. And this is cultivated faith for us. It's going to God and admitting, I have faith. But I need it cultivated in my life. I need it to have a greater presence. I need it to exist in a greater way in my life. It's admitting that it's there, but it needs help growing. It's taking the necessary measures to make sure that my flow isn't hindered. It's making sure that I keep my connection short. It's making sure that I spend time in God's Word daily. It's making sure that I surround myself with the right people. It's making sure that I participate in worship when given the opportunity. Hebrews chapter 11. We have what's called the faith chapter. And I just picked out some highlights there because I think this is an awesome point to make as we talk about cultivating our faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says that by faith, Abel offered up to God a more acceptable sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken up. By faith, Noah constructed an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed when called to go. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings. By faith, Jacob blessed the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph gave the Israelites directions. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated over fleeting pleasures of sin. And this is where it gets really interesting when it comes to living a life of faith. This is where it gets really awesome when it comes to cultivating our faith flow. Because listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts, and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth and all these though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised what sounds like a really morbid ending to a life of faith 
But the writer of Hebrews wasn't done writing. Because they didn't receive the promise. Because in their lifetime, the promise hadn't yet come. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says as he finished up. They did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us. I want that kind of faith. I want a faith that says I'm a man of valor. I want a faith that isn't afraid to look death in the face and say, come on, you'll just create for me a better life. I want the kind of faith that has the power to quench fire, to stop the mouths of lions, to enforce justice, to conquer kingdoms, to obtain promises, to be made strong out of my weakness, to be mighty in spiritual warfare, because we are still in a war. To refuse to accept release when I'm imprisoned because it's an opportunity for my chains to bear witness. Is there anybody in here that wants that kind of faith? If we're going to have it, it's got to be cultivated. And there's work that needs to be done tonight because there's some clogged up drains in here if you get what I'm saying. There's some people that have a diminished faith flow in their lives right now. And the best way to get it taken care of is not to call Roto-Rooter. It's not to roll our sleeves up. It's to go down into the basement, pull the plug out, run my hand in there and pull it out. The best way to unclog the drain